Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Thank you for all the work that you've been doing within us. You've been cleaning us up, strengthening us, expanding us, transforming us into the image of your dear son. And I give you praise and thanks for it. It's a good work. He's going to complete everything he's begun within us. Amen. Amen. Tonight, I want to talk to you about getting out of your way. <laughs> getting out of your own way, part one. Part two is going to be next week. How many of you have ever been, by the way, if you're not taking notes, find something to take notes on because you want to, um, there's a couple of things you're going to want to write down. How many of you have ever been driving your car and you got on the way as you were out running errands and you thought, you know, I'm going to stop by the post office on the way home. And as you pulled into your driveway, you thought, oh man, I forgot to go to the post office mm-hmm. or the bank. How many of you ever done something like that? You just, you always take that exit so you took it again, even though that wasn't where you're like, I didn't mean to get off this time. You know, we've all had things that have happened like that. It's where you just went along, you were just driving down the road, and next thing you know, you wound up where you really didn't intend to be. You know, I believe that this has happened to all of us, and it continues to happen to us in lots of ways. So what was happening was you got behind your car wheel, and you were driving down the road, but automatic pilot kicked in. And your car just kind of drove itself almost, right? And it went where it always goes, according to the pattern that you have established. Isn't that right? We've all done that. You know, when you have something like that happens, it's an automatic result that didn't require any conscious thought. You weren't thinking about it, because if you were conscious, you would have said, ooh, remember, stop by the post office. But you weren't having any conscious thought. You were just driving and going where you're going. Well. We can all have this kind of automatic pilot thing going on inside of us all the time. It can either work for you or it can work against you. It works for you when you intend to go straight home and you're allowed to think about something else or talk to the person in your car and then you wind up you still got home because you're not having to consciously think, ooh, take the exit, you know, right here west on any, you're not having to think that way because automatic pilot is working for you, right? You know, the Bible says in um, Proverbs 22, 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it, right? And we use that scripture for parents to train a child. That is, you keep having them go in the same direction over and over again, and after a while, autopilot kicks in and you don't have to get there behind them and make them do it anymore. It's like everything you have to train a child. You've got to train your children, for example, to brush their teeth. And when they're little, you're getting behind them all the time. Okay, let's brush your teeth, let's brush your teeth. I'm here to tell you, if they're 15 years old and you're still having to tell them, brush your teeth, that pathway has not been really worked in them, right? (laughs) You know, you hope by the time they're, you know, much younger than 15, that you're not having to get on their case about did you brush your teeth before you went to bed, right? That their automatic pilot, their own routine, will have already kicked in because your job is to raise them to self-sufficiency, right? 
So the thing happens is automatic pilot is good. You and I have some routines in our lives that we have established. We don't think about it. Maybe you get up in the morning. First thing you do is go to the bathroom. Then you walk down, head down to the kitchen, cut the coffee pot on, go turn the computer on, pick up your Bible, whatever you got to do. But you've got a steady routine for everything that you do first thing in the morning, right? And probably... Many of you are not morning people, like I'm not a morning person, so probably as you're doing it, it's a good thing you have autopilot because your mind's just not really awake yet as you're moving. You're just going according to a pathway that you have trained. The Bible says in Psalm 23, verse 3, it says, He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You know, the Lord is training you and me to also walk in a certain way. He's training us up as His children to walk in the paths of righteousness so that we can automatically go there. It's something that we usually do. Now think about this. The terminology there is the paths of righteousness. You know what a path is, right? How many of you have, uh, have maybe lived in a house where the driveway was here and the walkway was here, but there was a path, a shortcut, where people continually took to where now you can see where the grass has been worn down, it's kind of bare in that spot, you know? And what is a pathway? But it's a walkway that has been heavily traveled. Isn't that right? And so a pathway can come really good. If you're like on a walking trail, a walking path, you know somebody has already, you know, cleared it out and made this pathway. You're not going to have to fight your way through the woods. You just stay on the path and it will lead you to where you want to go. So the Lord has, has wanted to train us to lead us in pathways of righteousness. And we're not going to get it just by going down that pathway one time. It's not going to become a personal pathway until you and I have walked up and down that, that stretch of road many times. Remember a few weeks, several weeks ago, we were talking about um, your spirituality and your physiology and about how protein synthesis that happens that when you are meditating on the Word of God is creating new neurological pathways in your brain. It's getting your mind actually physically changed to be conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. Well, see, God is continually putting us in those pathways. So when you are walking through your life, you're not having to stop and think, okay, don't lie. Okay, make sure you forgive. Okay, because these behaviors are becoming automatic to you. Isn't that right? You're not having to think twice about, about paying your tithe. I mean, many of you know what that's like. As you get your paycheck, it's deposited. The first thing you do is write your tithe check. It's automatic because you've been doing it for years and years and years. It is a pathway that you have been walking in for quite some time. Now, if you're not used to tithing, it can, it's a new behavior you've got to focus some attention on. Isn't that right? You've got to remind yourself, ooh, don't forget, don't forget. But after time, a pathway has, has come. You know, following uh, a path is automatic. I was thinking when I was putting this together about, you know, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz of follow the yellow brick road, you know. It was like, just stay on the path and you'll get where you're going. And so when you and I are out walking on the sidewalk, say you decide to go for a walk one afternoon and you're going on the sidewalk, you're not really having any trouble staying on the sidewalk, are you? as long as there are no obstacles. You pretty much don't go traipsing through your neighbor's yards. You just stay on the sidewalk because, you know, sidewalks, they're easy to stay on, right? And a pathway, as you get used to it, it's easy to stay on, and you don't have to start thinking about it. You just stay on the path. Just stay on the path, all right? 
Let's open your Bibles, please. And let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Do you know that in the days of the early church, Christianity was called the way. A synonym for that would be a path, a pathway. It's a way of living, a direction that a person is going in. So it's interesting that God's leading us in paths of righteousness. Christianity is called a way. And let's look down and see what the Word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. I'm reading this one from the King James. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. A stronghold. This is an important thing we need to understand. Your automatic pilot, your pathway, can work for you or it can work against you. We can purposely decide to build and be guided by the Lord into paths of righteousness so that we are thinking and behaving and responding in a righteous way. But you know, the Bible tells us that we've also got to tear down strongholds. A stronghold is a fortified place. In military terms, it was, a, it was like a fortress from which it was a place where you would uh, launch your attack from. It was a place of protection from the enemy. But we're talking here about spiritual strongholds. These are habits of thinking. These are practice ways of thinking. You have been thinking this way for so long, you're on automatic pilot. And you don't even know that you have it anymore. The problem with strongholds is they're usually invisible. That usually you don't know you've got this stronghold. And so when the word says here that we are to cast down, to pull down strongholds, the very next thing it says is to cast down imaginations. It talks about bringing every thought into captivity. When we have a stronghold, a practiced way of thinking, our minds just go that way automatically. We're not even thinking consciously about how we came to that conclusion or that feeling or that behavior. It's just automatic because it's been practiced for so many years. You know how I many you know when you got born again, you didn't lose everything in your mind, you know? <laughs> when you got born again, you brought a lot of that stuff with you, those old habits, those old patterns and ways of thinking. You know, it's kind of like when I was teaching you about the unloving spirits, and some of you told me, they said, well, when you said unloving spirits, I'm thinking, I don't have that, until I started saying, yeah, but do you criticize yourself? Are you saying you're a lousy Christian and you shouldn't behave like that? Well, almost everybody's hand could go up, that they have struggled with those kind of internal voices. That type of internal voice is an internal critic, which is a stronghold of thinking. It's empowered many times strongholds are reinforced by enemy spirits. They can also be reinforced by the Spirit of God. I want a path of righteousness. I want my mind to have heavenly strongholds that keep out enemy spirits and enemy thoughts. Amen? But to keep me strong where I'm strong and built up in the fortress of the Lord. So a stronghold is a practice way of thinking. A stronghold prevents you from doing what you know you should do or from doing what you really want to do. Now, I don't know if you continue to make New Year's resolutions, but, you know, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions, don't they? Come every 
December 31st or January 1st, within a couple days, many people have decided I'm going to change some aspect of my life in this upcoming year. Isn't that right? We're going to start a diet. We're going to start an exercise program. I'm going to start saving money. I'm going to go finish my degree. I'm going to, you know, work on this with the kids or whatever. People come up with all kinds of things to do for New Year's Eve, right? Resolutions. How many times does that resolution ever get completed? Not many. What happens is that usually people have really good intentions. I know I should do that or I know I want to do that, but inside of a couple of hours or a couple of days or a few weeks, what happens? It falls apart, right? How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution and did not keep it? Okay. The vast majority of people have made them and have not kept them. Is it because making a New Year's resolution is not a good thing? Well, I pretty much decided it is because it doesn't change people, you know. You could, I mean, it could be a really good, healthy, positive thing that you want to do. So why didn't you keep it? Why didn't you finish the thing you said you wanted to do, the thing you felt like you should do? Why didn't you do it? It's because you've got an old way of walking. You've got a practiced way of thinking that would not allow it. And I want to talk to you about getting out of your own way. You know, a lot of times we want to point the finger at everybody else. Well, I couldn't because this person said or did or this thing happened. Folks, when it came down to it, it's like I was telling you last week, we have to look, the problem is right here. The problem's not out there, okay? What about, you know, daily devotions? We all know that Christians are supposed to have daily devotions, right? How many of us have ever heard teaching? We've read Bible studies. We've heard, and we thought, that's a great idea. You know, I need to read my Bible every day. I need to read the whole Bible through in a year. I need to read so many chapters a day. And we make all these good plans and decisions, but lots of times they fall apart. And then we aren't doing it, and then what happens? All the unloving spirits come in and tell you what a lousy Christian you are because you haven't kept up with the promise that you made yourself, all right? How many times have we thought, I'm going to start an exercise program, I'm going to join the gym, and then you can't get there? I'm going to buy a new piece of a, you know, equipment and put it in my living room, and it gathers dust. You know, your, your intentions were good. You wanted something good but you are being prevented. Maybe it's with, um, maybe it's in your career, in your business. You thought, you know what, I need to go out and get some new clients. I need to go out and advertise. I need to go out and for some reason, you just can't get it done. Well, this came up and that came up and that other thing came up. Your strongholds can be so deeply ingrained, you don't know they're there. And if I were to ask you, why didn't you complete what you wanted to do? How come you didn't start your devotions? How come you didn't pick up your Bible this morning? How come you didn't go for a run? How come you didn't make those phone calls? How come you didn't? You say, well, I didn't feel like it. I just couldn't get in the mood or something else came up. I mean, we make excuses, don't we, for why it didn't happen. Even though it may be a good thing to do. Getting out of your way is necessary. Because otherwise, this internal automatic pilot is going to keep sabotaging all your good intentions and all your good plans. 
Let's face it. If you really didn't have a problem on the inside, you would have lost the weight, you would have saved the money, you would be in the gym, you would have already read your Bible, you would have already got the new client, you would have already done all the things you wanted to do. The problem is there's something inside of you that is sabotaging it, that is making you procrastinate and put off the very thing that you say that you want to do. I think we need to find out how to resolve these issues, right? So we not just sit around and feel bad for ourselves and feel guilty and beat ourselves up because we're not a good person. We didn't do this very thing. You see, life doesn't happen to you. It happens because of you. As, I, as you've been here very long, you know that I come against a victim mentality. There are too many people that want everybody to feel sorry for them and how hard they've got it in life. But you know what? We're called to be overcomers, to overcome every challenge that faces us. So instead of feeling sorry for yourself about this thing happened and that thing happened, let's overcome those things and make a positive change. Now, then we get into, okay, well, I'm just going to knuckle down and make it happen. I'm tough. I can make it. I've got a mind of, you know, will, and I can do that stuff. You know that willpower only lasts you so long. Willpower lasts you how long in January 1st, 2nd, 3rd? I mean, how long before willpower just gave out, you know? And you, um, I'm going to change. I'm going to change what I eat. I'm going to change what I do, this and that. And out of sheer willpower, depends upon how strong your will is, you can make yourself do a given thing for a period of time. Isn't that right? We've all made ourselves do things that we didn't particularly want to. But willpower can only last you for so long. And you know what? In the church... I am guilty of this, so I apologize and ask for forgiveness. But in the church, the way that we have preached to people is, well, if you just do it. You know, there's a place for discipline. There's a place for self-control. But I need a lot of men and women who desperately want to do it. They've had deliverance. They're reading their Bible. They're getting their minds renewed. But there's something inside that's pulling against them and sabotaging all of their good work that they're trying to do. All right? Willpower only lasts you so long. It's like a rubber band. You know, if you have got a pattern, you've got a habit. Let's say you've got a habit of not exercising. Going down and joining the gym may give you an initial rush of adrenaline. All right, we joined the gym. We're going to get in there. We're going to do it, right? And then when the novelty or whatever wears off, because as you're, as you're making those first through tr- few trips to the gym, you're getting up, you're going early, you're showing up, you bought new shoes, you, you're there, right? And you are stretching with willpower. You are stretching and trying to change your life. After a while, you just can't do it anymore. You just can't do it. And next thing you know, you just don't feel like getting out of bed that morning. Next thing you know, it's raining. Next thing you know, it's too cold. Next thing you know, something good's on the computer. <laughs> and there's plenty of reasons why you just, can't, just couldn't get it done. You see, that autopilot, that internal belief system, will cause your old pattern to resurface. It will cause things to get back to normal even if it's not what you want. If what you want is to be able to, to run a mile in so much time, autopilot will see to it it never happens. You can have all these good intentions, but your internal belief system will sabotage you every time. Now, 
there's so much that we try to do with willpower. And willpower is good for getting started. Willpower is good for making a decision. But that's about as good as willpower is for. The beauty of an automatic pilot, an internal belief system, is this thing can work for you as well as work against you. And if you have an internal system, belief system change, when you decide to join the gym and work out four times a week, your willpower will no longer be involved because you'll be on automatic. Just like you drive your car straight into your driveway without even thinking about it. You change this internal system and it will fall into place for you. Because folks, there are things you and I do every day on automatic pilot. Every day, there are things you and I do. It's no effort. It's no struggle. It's just what we do. How many adults here really wrestle and fight with themselves to brush your teeth? Probably nobody, right? Because after a while, it's become ingrained a part of who you are. So you're not struggling over that issue anymore. Wouldn't it be nice if you quit fighting yourself over the stuff that you want to do? Wouldn't it be nice is instead of having that internal tug of war of, I don't want to get up and go, or I can't, I can't, I don't feel like it. Wouldn't it be nice if all that stuff was gone and you just did the very thing that you want to do? We see that's why we've got to change the internal system because willpower alone is not going to get it done. I'm kind of glad to just be telling this because I feel like this is where we all have lived. We've all been there in the willpower stage, haven't we? I'll just make myself. I'll just force it. I'm choleric. I'm strong-willed. I can make it happen. Yeah, for so long. Only for so long. And there are some people, I mean, they're really, they're tough. You know, they can get some stuff done. But you know what? I don't want to have to fight with myself every single day. Do you? I'm telling you, that gets old. And that's what's happening. When you're having that internal tug of war is when part of you is saying, yes, let's get out. Let's go to the gym. And part of you going, I don't want to. I don't feel like getting up. You know, there's an internal war. I want to be past the war. I want to be past the war and just go and get the thing done. All right? I'm going to help you get out of your way. Are you glad? All right. Let's look at James chapter 3. James chapter 3. I'm going to start with verse 2. It says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Hey, that's good news. How would you like to be able to get your, your body out of bed some days? Right? If that's what it says, able to bridle the whole body as well. Verse 3, now if we put bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. Now that's a key verse that we need to understand. You know, if we apply this to our lives, it doesn't matter what kind of strong forces are warring against you and pushing you in a certain direction. What he says is, you can decide with a little small rudder which way you're going to go. And the rudder is set by the pilot, by the captain of the ship. He's the one that decides where this thing is going. It doesn't matter the storm. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. What matters is, how is your rudder set? 
that's where you're going to find out where you're going to wind up. I've seen people on a pathway that I thought if they don't get off that pathway, they're going to wind up where they're going, right? I have seen people on such a path of self-destruction that I thought if they don't change, they're going to wind up at a place they really don't want to be, you know? So it's the same thing. We're going to have to set the rudder. And what does he say, the rudder? He's talking about that here. Verse 5, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire? And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. So your tongue will set the course of your life. It will set the direction that you're going. It doesn't matter about everything going on out here. This is going to determine where you're going to wind up. All right? The direction is set by the rudder or is set by the tongue. Now, Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks within himself, so is he. Your internal system, your internal belief system is producing results in your life. How come you didn't get to the gym this week? Same reason I didn't. My internal belief system wouldn't let me. And it told me. I mean, what is your internal belief system? You don't want to do that. We don't feel like it. We don't have time. That's how my system talks to me. I think it talks to you that way because I see you smiling. You've heard those same voices. We don't have time for that. We got things to do. Besides, it doesn't really matter, right? Let me ask you. What kind of thoughts and feelings are going on inside of you? If, as you think in your heart, so are you, is true. How many think the Bible's true? Bible's true, right? Everything. As you think in your heart, inside, that is what's manifesting in your life. You and I, right now, have in our lives exactly the result of what's going on inside. Now, as I've been teaching you about the spiritual roots of disease, we've looked in depth about the reason that you've got manifestations of certain things in your body. It's because there have been certain things going on on the inside, right? Well, this plays out in the larger parts of your life. So you are in your life exactly according as the rudder has been set as you have fought on the inside. And you may not like the results you've got. I mean, you might be looking at things about yourself, about your life right now, and thinking, you know, this really stinks. I don't like this. But instead of blaming everybody out there, remember, life doesn't happen to you. It happens because of you. Somehow, you've got to change how your rudder is set. Somehow, we've got to change your automatic pilot so it will quit taking you straight home when you want to go to the post office. We've got to do something that doesn't mean just get tough with yourself, but we've got to do a work of reconfiguration on the inside. Because, you know, it's kind of like, you know, in, in my computer, I use a lot, uh, I do a lot of word processing, obviously, in Word. Well, if you use Word, you may notice that it has what it calls an auto format. Sometimes I'm saying, quit helping me. I'm typing, and it thinks, oh, she must want to do this. I'm thinking, no, I don't. You know, it's got his own mind of how it thinks my document's supposed to look. And I'm back in there, shut off that thing, undo that thing, because I know what I want to do. 
you know, what's going on? It's, it's not a person. It's not got a grudge against me. What's it doing? It's doing what it was programmed to do, isn't it? You're doing what you were programmed to do, too. Everything in your life is what has been programmed into your life. Unless you're going to make conscious decisions to be in some new paths of righteousness, some new ways of behavior, some new internal systems. Remember, as I was telling you, that when we're talking about these enemy spirits that come, you know, we're going to fall out of agreement with them. We're going to just get, quit agreeing with those things instead of cooperating because we're going to take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's look. How many of you got, you don't have to raise your hands, but I'll raise mine. How many of you got something in your life that could stand some change? Something in your life that you would like to see change. Maybe you've been putting up with this for, I don't know, years and years and years, and you keep saying, you know, this thing ought to change. One of these days, it hasn't changed yet. Because your internal belief system is working perfectly. It's working perfectly. You know, we, we say we want this. But the internal belief system says, you don't really want that. Let me tell you, you want this other thing. And your internal belief system is giving you exactly what in your heart you really do want. Now, that should frustrate you. You say, but I don't like what I've got in my life. But it's working for you on some level. Understand this. People do what works for them. It's feeding something on the inside of you. So, in, so to change it, we're going to have to find out what it's feeding so that we can change that, and then your internal belief system won't have to work against you any longer. Doesn't that sound like a good thing? Mm-hmm. And your system, that system working with you and for you for change? Hallelujah. Sounds like a good plan to me. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. People are unrestrained where there is no vision. King James says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, we've heard that quoted a lot. Now, let me tell you something. Perishing, people perishing, is coming from lack of restraint. I heard a story one time of a of, um, um, family who had a small child, a little girl. And the little girl had something that was wrong with the way that her legs were growing. And they had gone to the doctor, and the doctor had said, she's going to have to wear these braces on her legs for a year, and you're going to have to tighten them. It's going to be kind of a challenge, but you're going to have to do this for a year, and then you won't have to do it anymore. Her legs will be fine. And uh, the man telling the story said, well, you know, there's two ways you can ask a small child to embrace braces. And he said, the first one and he's very dramatic, and I can't do it the way he did, but basically was, oh, poor baby, you see these old braces? We're going to have to put them on your legs. You're going to have to wear them for a whole year. He says, there's another, he says, fortunately, these parents did not do that. He said, there's another way. They went to their child, and they said, hey, baby, you want to go to Disneyland? She said, yeah. Well, all you got to do is wear these for a year, and the day you take them off is the day we're going to Disneyland. She's like, put them on. When she had the vision of going to Disneyland, she was willing to embrace the restraint. Okay? You see, nobody wants to perish. Nobody wants to perish. But the idea of bringing the restraint sounds painful because we don't see 
any benefits from it. So the Bible says if, that we perish from a lack of restraint. That means without that straining, staying on the pathway to take you where it is that you really want to go. The pathway of righteousness, right? We're going to stay on track, guided right there by the Lord. It's going to wind up taking us where is it is that we want to go. The results in your life and the results in my life indicate where our automatic pilot is set. What's going on is obvious by looking at our lives. This is where we have, it has been set. So what we want to know is why is your hidden rudder set the way that it is? Why are you working against yourself? Why are you procrastinating? Why are you involved in self-sabotage? How come? What's going on deep on the inside? So we're going to have to dig a little deeper and find out what's going on. Because on the surface, we can say, well, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it. Well, what did, why didn't you feel like it? Don't you want these things? You say, well, yes, I want them, but why? Because I don't know. We're going to have to dig a little deeper. Your autopilot process, your belief system, it's helping you avoid something unpleasant. It's helping you avoid something unpleasant. And so we're going to, this week and next week, help you find out what that unpleasant thing is that your internal system is trying to save you from, is trying to protect you. Even, you know, it's, it's, it's illogical, doesn't make sense. For example... Maybe you've been putting off finishing your degree. You know if you finish your degree, then you'll be able to get the position or get the raise that you've been wanting. But for some reason, you just can't get yourself to enroll. You can't get yourself to register. Even though you're tired of the position you're in, you're tired that you're not making enough money, but you just can't seem to get yourself going. And you're like, if I were to ask you, why can't you do that? You wouldn't have an answer, would you? I don't know. I just can't seem to make myself. I just can't seem to get it done. You know, and the thing is that you continue over months and months because you didn't enroll, you didn't register, so your situation's not changed. So guess what? You're continually unhappy with the results you've got. Your autopilot doesn't care. It's keeping you from something unpleasant, and even if it makes you miserable in the process. <laughs> Let's look at Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to look at what path you're on. Because these pathways become automatic. So we're going to look at the pathway that each one of us is on and decide how we can get off into a different one. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. That's interesting. Watch over your heart with all diligence. He's talking about your life, your body, right, your health. Watching over your heart, verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth, put devious speech far from you, let your eyes look directly ahead, let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Number 26, watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. What path are you on? What are you headed for? What kind of automatic pilot thing is in operation? You know, there are things that 
If we made a New Year's resolution, if we look at the pattern of our lives, we're going to find out if we're going to be successful or not. Looking at what's happened in the past will indicate what's going on. Watching over the pathway. He's telling us to pay, some, pay attention to where you are practiced to have practice ways of thinking and practice ways of living and practice ways of speaking because these things are working for you or they're working against you. Flip over to Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is talking. In Matthew 13, Jesus says, 15, verse 15, For this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Now that's a negative sentence, but let's break this apart and look at this. He says, these people, their ears are dull, their eyes are shut, their hearts wax gross. Okay, but he's talking about if they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and be converted, then they're going to get healed. Isn't that right? Healing's going to come. As we have been looking at the spiritual roots of disease, we've been seeing the truth of it from the Scripture, the truth of it from the natural world. As we're looking at that, and as we're getting praise reports here fairly regularly of people who have understood what the roots of their conditions were. They repented. They dealt with it. They're making changes. And so what's happening? We're seeing improvement in people's health because of it. Isn't that right? Okay? It's the same thing. It's not just seeing it and hearing it, but there is having understanding in the heart and the heart being converted. And that's what brings forth the healing. When we talk about the heart, we're talking about both the rational and the emotional part of you. It's on the inside. It's not just the mind, but there's also the emotional part. So, the heart to be converted. A change of heart means conversion, right? When you gave your heart to Jesus, when you were converted, what happened? We talked about, I converted, I changed my heart about the Lord. I changed my heart about how I wanted to live. You were converted. There was a change. A change of heart also means a change of direction, which is what the word repentance means, right? Repentance means to turn around and go in the opposite direction. So a conversion of heart is a change so that we're no longer going in the old path, but now we're going in the new path. So if you understood, if you saw the truth, if you heard the truth and understood it, you will be able to change the course that you're on be converted, and you will find new levels of healing in your life. Does that make sense to you? If we'll get it with the eyes, get it with the ears, <coughs> understand with the heart, where the heart embraces it, not only rationally, but emotionally. You see? Emotional connection. Then you're going to have a heart change. When you made your New Year's resolution, that was not an emotional decision. That was a mental decision. I'm going to take off 10 pounds, so therefore, blah, blah. You made a mental decision. Anybody who has ever done any type of lifestyle change, how that happened, it wasn't just a mental change, but it was also an emotional change at the same time, right? Something clicked deep on the inside of you, and you weren't having to force yourself. You are now automatically moving towards the goal that you had. So... A change of heart is going to mean a change of direction. If you and I are to change 
were to change the direction that we were in, what's going to happen? We're going to have different results, aren't we? You know, as the pilot adjusts the rudder of the back of the ship, as he adjusts that rudder, he's going to wind up at a different place than he was originally set to go. You know, it's interesting because I've watched some old movies, and I imagine there's some truth to this, but sometimes you've seen an old movie where they've got, you know, a guy with an old, an old uh, ship, and they would tie a, you know, like that they tie a rope on the, um, what do you call the steering wheel thingy? The helm, thank you. <laughs> steering wheel thingy, it's such a girl talking. <laughs> yeah, anyway, and they tie a rope to, to hold the ship on course, right? They tie, so, you know, so keep you going right there, keep things steady, going the same direction. So, you know, what about if we tied the rope to the thingy, to the helm, if we set the direction, we had the rudder, we set the direction, we would have automatic pilot where you could go actually go off and do something else and not have to be stressing and worrying over this thing every day. I'm looking at simplifying my life. Anybody else like that? Simplifying things? All right. So if, if this conversion is a heart conversion, it's an inner system conversion, and if your inner system is just trying to keep you from something unpleasant, then there's something your internal belief system does not understand. It's not been converted, or else you would have already achieved your goals. You would be, you would already have your degree. You would already have, you know, lost the weight, or regularly in the gym. You would have done those things if, there, if on a deep level of your heart, there was a conversion about the very thing that you want to do. Does that make sense to you? If, so it's no longer just fussing at yourself because you didn't get to the gym this week or you didn't call and register, but now there's been an internal change. So let me ask you, what is it going on inside of you that your heart does not understand about what it is that you want to do? Because you want to do good things, right? You want to get the degree or get the new job or build the business or whatever it is. So, for example, daily, demo, daily devotions. That's a good thing to implement. Wouldn't you agree? How, how many times I've talked to people who had good intentions. I want to get, get regular about my devotions. I want to get regular, okay? If you're not having regular devotions, there's a system inside that doesn't understand. There's something internal that is trying to keep you from something unpleasant. So let me ask you this. What is your goal? What is it that you want to do? I want to get regular in my devotions. I want to finish my degree. I want to get to the gym four times a week. I want to lose 10 pounds, whatever it is that you want to do. What is your goal? Then ask yourself, could I do it? That is, you have the mental ability to do it. You have the physical capability to do it. I mean, I could go to college and get a degree, right? You know, I've got the ability. I could get to the gym every week. I could lose weight. I could do all these things. There's nothing that's physically limiting me from doing it. I mean, it's within my capability, right? I mean, you wouldn't have made a New Year's resolution if it was something impossible. You know, I know that there are certain things that are impossible for me, but the things that I want to do are doable. They are within reach, right? It's reasonable, okay? The next question to ask yourself is, am I willing to do it? Am I willing to do it? Okay, this is where the conflict comes in. If you look at your goal and say, you know, I could do that. And then I ask you, are you willing to do it? 
If you feel a little bit of discomfort inside, that's your belief system. That's the thing working against you. It's going to affect your willingness to do a given thing. If you are feeling discomfort, it means you've got an internal tug of war, internal conflict with your automatic pilot. It's like, remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 7? He said, the very thing I want to do, I don't do. And the thing I hate to do, that's what I do. Ah, he's so frustrated. Well, we've all felt like that, haven't we? I want to, I want to, and then I don't. You know, There's an internal tug of war. Why would there be some kind of internal conflict over you accomplishing something that's really good for you? There is a fear underlying that. And until you address the underlying fear, you can argue with yourself all day long and it won't change a thing. I can argue with myself all day long about, you know what, if I just go ahead and call the college and go ahead and register and go ahead and I can do it, I can, I can go ahead and I can start taking classes and I can finish it, I can do it. If I don't deal with the fear... I'll sabotage myself, and it won't happen. Well, what kind of fear? What kind of thing could keep you from doing something really good like that? Maybe it's a fear of self-doubt. Maybe I'm not as smart as I think I am. Maybe I'm too old for this. Maybe if I go to college, I won't, I won't have the time to spend with my kids the way I thought I would. There could be any number, and you know what? Fears don't have to make sense. How, how many of you ever had an irrational fear, right? It does not have to make sense at all because it's energized by spirit. It doesn't have to make sense. But it doesn't matter if it makes sense because fear, it just operates. And so that underlying fear, because you want to avoid the pain, avoid the difficulty, you'll sabotage yourself every time. And it won't happen. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. If seeing and hearing lead to heart change, the Bible tells us that we are to renew our minds. That is, we're going to have to retrain the way that we have been thinking. This also means retrain the way that we think about ourselves and retrain the way that we think about the, the world that we live in. We want to retrain ourselves so that we agree with the Word of God. Because you know what the Bible says? The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, right? Mm -hmm. The Bible says that. How many of you are doing it, though? I mean, there are some things right now in my life I'm like, hey, I'm not succeeding in that area. I need to find out what's going on here. Because the word can't lie. So we've got to renew our minds to where we are thinking in harmony with the scripture. You know, Jesus said, I've come to give you an abundant life. Well, if you're not living an abundant life, and if there is an internal system working against your abundant life, even though you might want it, you're not going to have it. We're gonna get our, we need to get our minds retrained. Our hearts are being converted as we agree with the word, not only rationally, but also emotionally. It's with the heart man believes and salvation is made, right? Confession is made into salvation and righteousness, right? Let's look at Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1. 
We're going to get out of our own ways. I'm going to get out of my way. You're going to get out of your way. You know what? I'd be a lot happier if I got out of my way. I think you would be too. Wouldn't you be happier if you quit fighting yourself for the things that you want to do? Sure you would. All of us would. Joshua 1, verse 7. The Lord says, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right to the light, right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. Is this some really clear instruction? Sure it is. God is saying, I have given you instructions in my word. Do not deviate from them. I have given you instructions because I want you to succeed. So don't try to invent your own way. Don't work around it. Just do it the way I said and you'll have success. Number eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Remember, he's leading us, guiding us in the paths of righteousness. He's with you. We just got to do things his way, right? It's his way or the highway. Now, let me ask you this. If, I, if we were to just have a conversation, I said, so what does it take to be a success in life? You know, we would be told, we might hear things like, well, you need a college education. You need to work 60 hours a week. You need to, you know, do this, do this, do this. But what did God say in his word to do if you wanted success? What did he say right here in Joshua? Meditate upon the word day and night. I ain't got time for that. I got a new business. I ain't got time for that. I got a new job. I ain't got time for that. And so we knock ourselves out working against his system. Was he kidding? No. He says, if you want success, meditate in my word day and night. Then you'll be successful. I'm going to confess to you. I have not meditated day and night in God's word. Guess what? I've got the results. And so do you. I'm not pointing the finger. I'm pointing the finger at myself. I'm trying to help you and help me here. Okay? We have thought, I've just got to work really hard. I've got to push, I've got to strive, I've got to willpower, make myself, make myself. And that is not what God said in his word. Now, you know, the Bible does talk about things like diligence. It does talk about we don't need to be slothful. The Proverbs talks about the, the lazy man won't even, you know, bring, bring the cup to his mouth. He won't even go out and roast the stuff he took in hunting. He won't follow through. The lazy man doesn't take care of his responsibilities. And so the Bible teaches that we need to be responsible. But why don't we do it God's way? How about we start meditating day and night? Because what's going to happen when you and I meditate? It's going to create new neurological pathways, isn't it? It's going to start changing that internal system to where we're going to start operating in a way that's going to bring us success. So whether that success means you got your degree, it means you got your new business launched, it means you lost your weight, it means whatever. You got the success because you did it God's way. Now, folks, I, I know that we can sit here and we can make excuses and we can argue about how we don't have time to meditate day and night. Can't we? We can all argue for excuses about why. 
But we can't change what God has said in his word. If we'll do it his way, we'll get the results that he promised. I don't think that means you've got to sit alone for four hours in the morning and four hours at night. I don't think so. But what about if you and I just took baby steps? Baby steps are important, right? And we just said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to set my will to begin a new pattern. And I'm going to, in the morning when I have my cup of coffee or Mountain Dew or whatever you have, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take 10 minutes and I'm going to meditate on God's promises, on God's word. And then, instead of dropping off to sleep in front of the TV late at night, I'm going to take the last 10 minutes, you know, after I brush my teeth or something, or before I brush my teeth, I'm going to take the last 10 minutes and meditate on God's word. Do you know that if you're meditating on God's word before you fall asleep, it will affect your dreams? Okay? And what's going to happen is your internal system is going to be changed because what's going to happen is your heart's going to start getting converted because you're starting to see, to hear, to understand. Your heart will be converted. Now, for everybody who's thinking, I've been a Christian for years, I don't think so. Let me tell you, I've been a Christian for probably longer than most of you. All right? I've been in charismatic circles for a long time, probably longer than most of you. Let me tell you something. I'm still getting my mind renewed. I'm still finding places that need to be transformed, that need to be brought into change. And the easy way to do it is to meditate upon the Word of God. Now, 10 minutes is something, you know, five minutes, but starting somewhere. You use your willpower to start. Now, let me ask you, can you do it? Yes, we can do it. If you ask yourself, am I willing to do that? If some part of you is causing discomfort, there's an internal system that doesn't want you to do that because if you start meditating on God's word day and night, what's going to happen? You're going to get the success. You're going to get the promise. And something about on the inside of you doesn't want you to have that. And maybe you need some more deliverance, but much of the time what we need is just to get our minds renewed. Okay? How to prosper and succeed. Very clear from verse 8. Don't lose sight of the word. Don't lose attention of God's word. Hang on to it. Make it a part of who you are. You know, Jesus was the word made flesh. If we meditate upon the word of God twice a day, it's going to get deep on the inside of us, and it will start to where we are starting to work. Our internal system is starting to work for us instead of against us. Now, when we meditate upon the Word of God, because we want our heart to be converted, it's not just enough to get the principles meditated upon. Because we can meditate on a verse, you know. We can meditate on, on you know, any one of these verses, anything. God has promised us, you know, abundant life or, or whatever. Or I am the Lord that heals you. I'll take sickness from the midst of you. We can meditate upon any of those verses. But we not only want it to be a mental thing, but we want it to be an emotional thing. So we want you to connect with the heart of God, with the love of God. You know, for too many times, we, we've got Christians that do an either or. you got this group of here, they're just the word, the logic, the rules, the principles, that's all they care about. And you got this group of here, all they care about was ooey-gooey, God's presence, just love, love. We need to put it all together, you know. It's all together so that you've got the heart conversion. So no longer it's just going to be my mind's renewed, my heart's cold, or my heart's on fire, my mind's, you know, out there loose somewhere. 
But there's both coming together. This type of restraint in our lives is going to bring us the things that we really want to see happen. In Psalms chapter 19, verses 7 and 8, I'll just read it. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. What's going to convert you, what's going to do that internal change, is what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're meditating upon. This is going to change the internal system. As you're meditating upon, do you, as you're meditating upon the truth of God's nature and the truth of His Word, do you think that it might help identify and surface any underlying fears? Absolutely. As you begin to meditate upon God's truth and His character, then any tar part of you that has trouble, that struggles with that, I don't know if I believe that, I don't feel like that, you're going to be able to identify the core fears, the things are behind that are working against you in your, in your ungodly system. So, I have a homework assignment for you for next week. Because next week is getting out of your way, part two. Number one, make a list of what you want to accomplish. What do you want? This could be in the area of relationships. Maybe you want to get married. Maybe you want to strengthen a relationship with a friend or a family, family member. What is it in a goal that you have in relationships? All right, what would you like to accomplish? Maybe you're, you want to look in health and fitness. Maybe you have a goal of health. You want to change some part of your lifestyle, health and fitness related. Or maybe you have, you'd like to accomplish something with your education or career. Maybe you'd like to get some more classes, some more training, or you'd like to start your own business or change, your, change the field you're in. What kind of goal do you maybe have education career? And then number four, what would you like to accomplish with financial security and abundance? What is it? What are your goals for your financial abundance? What are your goals for financial security? So make a list of what you want, the things that you want. These are things that you don't have right now, Right? So it's something that you really want. And then, after you've made a list of what you want to accomplish, number one is make a list of what you want to accomplish. Number two, ask, could I do it? The emphasis is on the word could. Look at each one of your goals that you've listed and ask yourself, could I do that? Do I have the capability? Do I have the physical ability? Do I have the mental ability? Could I do it? And then number three, ask yourself, am I willing to do it? Am I willing to do it? If the honest answer is no, I mean, you might as well be honest with yourself, right? Yeah, we're, we're not going to share these next week. I just, this is homework for you, okay? If the honest answer is, I don't want to. I mean, well, I think we've all been there. I'm just not ready. How many of you ever said that? I'm not ready. I have. I'm just not ready. I don't want to. Okay, well, be honest with yourself. I don't want to, okay? But then, if the answer is, no, I'm not willing, then ask, why not? What am I afraid of? Why not? What am I afraid of? 
Next week, we're going to continue with this. I'm going to help you to identify what's going on. Let's get you on automatic pilot to where you wind up where you want to go. I feel like that for so long, it's, we have been going, we've been operating through willpower, through guilt. Oh my goodness. And we thought guilt will motivate me. I feel, and then we feel bad because we didn't, you know, do whatever. All that did is make us feel bad. Those unloving spirits got right in there to make sure that we condemned ourselves for not doing the very thing. Folks, it is so much in my heart to get us free. To get us free from everything the devil has been holding over people's heads. If I can get you free from the debt, from the disease, from the fear, what would your life be like? What would your life be like if you had no debt, no disease, and no fear? No wonder the devil fights this stuff. No wonder your internal system gets a little panicky. <laughs> because we are casting down imaginations. We are tearing down strongholds of thinking. I want us to pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that the law of the Lord is perfect and does convert the soul. Father, I ask you to forgive us because we've been blaming everybody. <laughs> for the pathways that we have created, the things that we've been in. I ask you to forgive us, Lord God, for self-pity and for accusation. I also ask you to forgive us for beating ourselves up, for self-condemnation, for listening to lying spirits and guilt, and that we have we've treated ourselves badly, not the way that you treat us, not the way that you see us. So, Father, I ask you to give us grace to get out of our way. I ask, Lord, for every one of us that you would help us understand the underlying pain we're trying to avoid, the underlying fear that's there, so that we can uncover it and deal with it. Lord God, I thank you, Lord, that you have been doing such a work of transformation in us. We are seeing so much positive change. And we're going to continue to see a lot of positive change. And Lord God, we want to receive the fullness of what you promised in your word. You promised that we would have uh, that life and life more abundantly. Lord, you promised, you promised us the joy of the Lord, that in your presence there is joy. And we're, there are so many of us that we're not walking in your joy, we're not walking in your health, we're not walking in your blessing, because there's something going inside of us that's keeping us from it. And Lord God, we've been people who have been to Bible study after Bible study. We've read books. We've been to seminars. And we've had deliverance. And we've received a lot of measure of freedom. But Lord, we want to receive the full freedom that you purchased for us on Calvary. We want to receive the fullness of it. And Lord God, we want to be good, good examples you know, to other people who are wondering why should they get involved with you? Why get involved in Christianity? God, we want our lives to be a demonstration of what you intended for our lives to be, to let it be an example. We want to prove what is that good and perfect will of God. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing. I ask you, Lord God, that you would continue to speak to each one of us throughout this coming week, that we'll be able to identify the strongholds that are there, 
and Lord, to take courage in your word and in your presence. And we're going to tear those things down in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ, I come against every lying spirit of guilt, every lying spirit of condemnation. I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I say, you will lie to this people no longer. We will not believe and not receive those lies any longer in Jesus' name. For we receive the truth that sets us free, the truth of God's word. And Lord, we're going to take courage and we're going to look and look deep to see what's really going on. And knowing, Lord God, that's where freedom is coming. Father, we give you praise. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for you do take us from glory to glory. You do reveal truth to us. We worship you and bless you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And I pray, Lord God, that it would be unto us according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.